who wanted to depict on canvas the meaning of evangelism. He began by painting a storm at the sea, and then he painted some black clouds that filled the sky, and he painted a flash of lightning coming down from the heavens. And in the raging sea, he painted a boat that seemed to be destroyed by the pounding sea. He also painted men. Some were struggling in the swirling waters. Some were clinging desperately onto the side of the sinking boat. All of them had a look of terror on their face. The only hope that they had appeared to be in the foreground of the painting. And it was a huge rock that was sticking out of the water. And so there, clutching desperately to the rock with both hands, was one lone man. They say it was a very beautiful and moving painting. And from looking at it, you could see that the tempest was a symbol of hopeless situation of mankind. And true to the gospel, that only hope of salvation was the rock of ages. The only hope amidst the storm. But as the artist continued to look at his painting, he realized that there was something wrong with the painting. So in order to correct this error, he threw it away and he went to work on another one. It was very similar to the first. It had the black clouds and the flashing lightning and the angry waters and the little boat being crushed by the waves. The crew struggling vainly against the waters. And in the foreground, the men at sea were still clutching that large rock for salvation. But the artist made one change. He had one of the men that was only holding onto the rock with one hand. And with the other one, the other hand, he was reaching down to pull up a drowning friend. That, my friends, is how it should be with all of us Christians. We should be reaching out to the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't think there's anything more tragic in life than missing an opportunity to share the gospel message to someone that God has sent to you. If you're here a couple months back, I gave a message on serving God in your work. And so tonight I want to speak to you on serving God by sharing our faith. And this has always been one of my favorite topics to talk about. I love talking about sharing our faith. I love evangelism. And that was one of my fortes when I went back to school was, was studying about evangelism and how to reach the lost with the gospel. So if we can all stand, we're going to read a passage of scripture from John. John 4, 31 to 38 says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought something for him to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. 
already the one who reaps receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together for here the saying holds true one sows and another reaps I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor others have labored and you have entered into their labor amen you may be seated so I think everybody here probably knows the story in John 4. And it's a great story. It's about Jesus meeting the woman for a divine appointment, the Samaritan woman, at the well. And it was his sole purpose was to give her living water. Water that she didn't have to go back to the well and keep pulling the water out of. It was water that she would have. And so Jesus was not there by accident. He wanted to get a hold of this woman's heart that she could be a witness to all of those in Samaria. And we do see that. She went running back after she had this conversation with Jesus. She went running back to the Samaritans and she told them about who she met and she had that joy and peace in her heart that she probably never had before. Jesus told her that he is the promised Messiah. And he is the one that was spoken about in Deuteronomy, that the prophet that was greater than Moses. If you can imagine that, the glory of God was right there in front of her. And it was Jesus. And so we see from that one encounter with a person, Jesus, that one encounter can change a person's life forever so we should never underestimate how the Lord is using the seeds that you are planting this woman's testimony caused many of the people in Samaria to believe in Jesus and if you see this encounter that we just read with the disciples the disciples said Rabbi, you have to eat. You, you must eat. We, they just came back from, eat, from getting food and, and he, he, they wanted him to eat. And so he told them that he already had food, food that which they did not know of. And so he was referring to spiritual food. If you remember in Deuteronomy 8.3, it says that man does not live on bread alone. And so here Jesus answers them and tells them that there's nothing more fulfilling for him to do at that very moment, and we see this all over in the Gospels, there's nothing more that Jesus wants to do more than do the will of the Father. And that was his purpose there. And then it talks about how Jesus told them not to wait the four months for the harvest. And a lot of the Bible expositors and stuff, they say that this might have happened in December, and then four more months the harvest would be coming. But he's telling them right here that you don't have to wait four months for the harvest because the harvest has already come. He's saying them that people are already wanting to come into the kingdom and all they have to do is look around. I can imagine what was happening at this time because a woman had went down to the men and women in Samaria and told them all about Jesus and they heard probably this message for the first time of who Jesus was. And so I can imagine that Jesus and his disciples were standing around and Jesus saw the Samaritans coming to talk to him. 
And he's telling them, look up, look and see, the harvest is coming. And so this will be their job, is to work in the harvest. They're going to be called to see people come out of the darkness and into the light. And that's what we need to do. We need to know that the harvest is here. We need to know that there's so many people out here, out in our communities, out in our jobs, out in our neighborhoods, that need to hear the gospel message. And there's so, just great joy in leading someone to Jesus. Even just talking to others about our faith is joyful. And that's doing his will. And it seems when I talk to a lot of people that many people are afraid to share their faith. And there's definitely some good reasons, I think, that people have in their head of why they don't want to share their faith. And some people tell me that I don't know what I'm going to say to somebody. How will I know what to say to somebody about my faith? Or how do I approach somebody and tell them about Jesus? Or they're afraid that they're going to say something wrong to somebody or give them a wrong answer. Anybody ever feel like these? I know I did, and I have. Another reason is because a lot of people think that they're sharing the gospel with somebody, but it seems that that person is not responding to them or they're not listening to what they're saying. And a lot of times we get discouraged. And many times we feel like we're doing something wrong or like I said, saying the wrong things. But everybody that we meet, you have no idea where they are in their faith life. It's our job to go out and tell people about Jesus. You could have somebody that's so far away and has a hardened heart, but you're planting that seed in them. You could also have somebody that you have no idea who it is and they could be on that verge of crossing the line of accepting Jesus. You have no idea. And so I think that sharing our faith and sharing the gospel with others is probably the most important thing that we can do for someone. We can share the good news of how people can be reconciled to God for all eternity. And if sharing the gospel is the greatest thing we can do for someone, then why are we so hesitant to share our faith with others? I've heard people say also that it's hard for them to witness or share their faith with others because they don't have the ability to speak it or, or they maybe mix up their words. But we read in so many places in the Bible where God has guided and led his people who were not necessarily the most eloquent in speech or weren't the most willing to share the good news. And we should be encouraged by this. I mean, look at Moses. What did Moses say to God when God said, you're going to lead my people out? He said, Lord, I can't even talk. I, I, have, I have a bad speech problem. I can't talk. But we know that Moses became a great leader of the children of Israel. And he led them out of Egypt. And God was with him. And Aaron spoke for him, his brother. 
We also read about Jonah. Everybody knows that Jonah didn't think the wicked Ninevites deserved God's mercy. And he tried to run the other way. But God had other plans for him. So we really shouldn't be hesitant in telling others about who God is. Because I think in our life, if we read these stories, I think if we come to God and say, but God, I can't do this because. Or God, I can't go and reach that person because. You know what's going to happen? He's going to make a way for you to do it. So we should not be hesitant to tell others of who God is and how we have sinned against him. And we shouldn't be hesitant to tell people about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. And that if they turn from their sin and they trust in Jesus, they can have eternal life. That's something to be happy about, isn't it? On my filing cabinet at work, and I meant to bring it tonight, but I was rushing out of work, so I didn't grab it. But on my filing cabinet at work, I have a piece of paper. And it's sitting there along with a couple other things that my kids have drawn for me. And it says, God does not call the equipped. He equips those he has called. And as Christians, we are all called to share the love of Christ and what Christ has done for us. If you remember... Sharing your faith is not a suggestion, it's a command. And God is with us when we obey him. I can tell you that there were so many times, and like I said in the beginning, I, I enjoy sharing my faith and talking to others about my faith. And I was thinking about that when I was writing this sermon and praying about it and thinking about it. And no matter where I've been in my life, I've always, I've never been afraid to share my faith. I even looked on uh, Facebook, um, and you know how they do the memories thing. And there are memories from like eight, nine years ago where I'm putting gospel verses, you know, Bible verses down. So I was never afraid to share my faith. I even remember being a youth minister when I got out of high school at, my, at the church I grew up in. And I was teaching the kids then how to share your faith with others. How do you share your faith with others? And I've gotten a lot of emails from past students who have thanked me for that, just out of the blue. And I was really thankful for a couple of them. And I can even remember being witness too when I had my long hair and I had ratty jeans on that ripped up and a ripped up shirt. And two guys came to my door and said, do you know Jesus? And I said, yeah. And they looked at me like, I said, actually, I'm a youth minister down the street. <laughs> we had a good discussion that day. <laughs> so why do we need to tell people about Jesus? The simple answer is because Jesus has given us that direct command to tell other people about him. In Matthew 28, 19, it says, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples. Doesn't say if you have time or hey, when you can fit it in, it says go and make disciples of all nations. So Jesus has called us to tell others of their urgent need to repent from their sins and turn to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. 
one of the things that I was thinking about is that if you think about it, we are billboards for our faith. In Mark 16, 15, it says, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Okay, so we are to be billboards for our faith. Now, how many of you have driven by, and I know every, anybody that drives on the freeway sees billboards all over the place. You can't escape them. There's businesses that are selling stuff. There's slogans do, you know, that want you to buy this or buy that. There's even some with Bible verses on it. We see them all over the place. And so these billboards are designed because they're easy to see. Some of them light up. Some of them flash and, and all that stuff. They're designed to capture your attention. And so that's why we need to be billboards for our faith. I remember uh, going to Frankenmuth with my family a few months ago. And um, it was, my mom and dad celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. So my family and my sister's family, both my sister's family, we all went up to Frankenmuth for the weekend. And I'll never forget, we're driving down the road on the freeway, and I see this big billboard. And the billboard said, I hate stevensinger.com. Anybody see that? Now me, being the man, was wondering, what did that Steven Singer do to a woman that she would put that up there? I mean, I've made my wife mad plenty of times, believe me. But she never put a billboard saying, Keith O'Connor, I'm mad at him, he's a jerk. <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> So I'm thinking to myself, what did this poor guy do? So of course, we both thought about that and we kind of laughed about it. And so I was driving, so Christy looked it up and it ended up being a jewelry store of some sorts. Who would have thought? But now it's funny because every single day that I drive to work on 96 by West Chicago, I see that billboard right there and I laugh. No matter what I'm doing. So my point is that there are so many people who besides going to a wedding or a funeral or Christmas time or Easter, there's so many people that will not be stepping foot into a church. And that's a sad reality. There's so many people that will never ever pick up and read a Bible. And you and I may be that only Bible that anybody ever reads and we may be the only contact that some people have with the church. So that's why we as passionate followers of Christ need to be that billboard that everybody sees. And everybody wonders, just like I wondered, what that poor guy Steven Singer did. Everybody's going to wonder, why is that guy so happy? So whatever we do and wherever we, wherever we go, we need to be bringing the gospel with us and we need to be talking about our faith. Another thing that we need to know is that we need to know our mission fields. Know your mission field. In Acts 18, 1 through 4, it says, After this, he, Paul, left Athens 
and went to Corinth, where he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul came to them, and since they were of the same occupation, tent makers by trade, he stayed with them and he worked. He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks. So here in Acts 18, we read about Paul who leaves Athens and now he's going to Corinth. And so while he's in Corinth, he meets Aquila and his wife Priscilla, who has also recently arrived from Italy. And then notice in, in, in the part of Acts on verse 3 that Paul worked with them as a tent maker. And then in verse 4 it says that he was in the synagogue each Sabbath where he reasoned with the Jews and the Gentiles. So we know that Paul knew his mission field. Paul went there. He began working his, his trade of being a tent maker. And he also went and he found like-minded missionaries and they work throughout the week. And if you remember what I said when I did my sermon on worship or work at work, glorifying God at work, I said that it's important for us to build relationships with others. And so this is what Paul was doing. He was there throughout the week, and no doubt he was probably forming relationships in that town. And then what did he do? He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he reasoned with both the Jews and the Gentiles. So what I'm saying is that God can and will use you right where you're at. Your mission field is right in front of you. That's what the beauty of the gospel is, of the saving work of the cross. It's that we've been rescued and saved and with that, we're all bearers of the good news right where God has placed us, in our jobs, in our communities, and in our neighborhoods. And we have the joy-filled message that everyone we come into contact needs to hear. God has placed us, and he's placed you and I, where we are right now for a reason. It may not think, you may not think sometimes, but you never know. Because in my experience, opportunities for the gospel are everywhere. So in order to start sharing our faith, we have to open up our eyes and we have to look around us. And we have to look around for the many opportunities that God gives us every single day to share our faith. And here in Acts, Corinth was a commercial, metropolitan, urban area. So it was a large city and had a major trade route. So because of this, business would pass in and out of Corinth, and it would spread across the Roman Empire. So Paul had a large area right there in people to cover. And there was a huge population here, and the population was very diverse. And so what we see in this text is that Paul's job, his vocation, was a vital part of his ministry in Corinth. 
And while he was working his job in Corinth, he was also spreading the gospel in Corinth. I think so many times that Christians think that if they're going to share the gospel or share their faith, that they have to leave their job and get a job in ministry to have some type of impact. And there's many people that are called to go into missionary work or pastor work or mission jobs, but not all of us are called for that. And so that's why we have to use our job and where God has placed us and use that as our ministry so that we can impact those around us. Because Paul wasn't doing that. Paul wasn't going off and leaving to be a pastor somewhere or to be a missionary, you know, somewhere else. He was working his job, doing his vocation, and while he was doing that, where God placed him, he was spreading the gospel. I read a story of a stay-at-home mom who helps run a playgroup at her church. And this is in a city that she lives in. And one of the aims of this playgroup is to create opportunities for evangelism. And when I was reading it, it said in this area that the woman lives in, there's many unchurched families. So this gives them a wonderful opportunity to open up the church doors and tell these families the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's pretty simple how they do it. They mix Bible stories with well-known children's story books and they have discussions about them and they discuss how it relates to their lives and they tell the children and the parents and the families about the Bible stories. And they also do biblically incorporated craft projects with the families and they teach the parents how to do these crafts and stories at home with their children. So as we see from that story, God has put each and every one of us where we are today to share your faith with others. If you think about it right now, I mean, just think in your head, how many people have so many different jobs around here and they have so many different contacts? And so we have to use these jobs that we have and we have to use these contacts in these neighborhoods and in the church and we have to use them in where God has placed us to share our faith. And if you remember also in my sermon on glorifying God and work, and I'll say it again tonight, and I said it last time, that God has put you where you work for a reason. He has purposely surrounded you with the people you work with for a reason. So we should take a hold of that and take every opportunity that we are given to share our faith. And one of the best ways to share our faith is by keeping our eyes open for the people that we can talk to. And we also can look for ways that we can connect our conversations to others where we can talk about our faith and we talk about Jesus. I think too many people think that if we bring the conversation of our faith and we bring the conversation of who Jesus is or what church we go to, I think a lot of people think in their minds that maybe I'm being overbearing on this. Maybe this is too much. But in reality, it's the little things that we can do that help and that will help share our faith. I was thinking about a couple of them, like getting in touch with a family member or a friend by phone or text. 
and just talk to them. Find out how their life's going. If you haven't talked to them in a while, or if you talked to them yesterday, just it's a great time to have a conversation with somebody. We also have this whole world of social media around us. And I think sometimes people use social media the wrong way. I think that we should be using our social media to encourage one another. When I'm on Facebook, I post a lot of stories um, that I read from different apologists or different churches or pastors. I also try to do Bible verses or devotions. And that's a great way to use social media to share your faith. I remember I was even told when I worked at the police department, somebody came up to me and said, you know, I had a, I didn't defriend you, but I had to unfollow you because you post way too much about Jesus. I'm like, hey, well, go ahead and unfriend me. You know, if, you, if, you're, if you're so offended by that, you know, but I'm not going to stop. We can also let people know who are struggling and going through hard times that we're praying for them and that you are there for them. Be intentional about forming these relationships with others. It's the little things. When I was talking about my sermon last week to one of the women at church here, she was telling me about how she met a man who was carrying cans at a park and she had a whole bunch of cans in her car. And so she said that she really didn't want to give this man the cans and she really didn't want to have a car. But she gave him the cans. And he was so grateful. And she told me, that man said that you restored my faith in humanity. It's those little things that help us share our faith. Another way is we can share our story. We all have unique and wonderful stories of how we came to faith no matter how ordinary you think your story is, there's always someone out there who will be impacted by your story because it's personal. We see in the Gospels all the time that Jesus would often talk in parables so people and his disciples could get a better grasp of God's plan and his instructions and his power. In the same way, we can use our personal experiences and the stories we have in our life to relate to others and tell them about Christ. And I'll quickly go through a couple ways that you can share your, your story. You can talk about what your life was like and how you were before you accepted Christ. You can talk to people about how you came to receive Christ. How did you come to know Christ? What did you hear about him and how did you respond to the gospel? You can talk about why you put your faith in Jesus and how this changed your life and how your life was transformed. But the most important thing, I think, when you're telling your story, because it is personal and it's your story, is be completely truthful about it. Don't try and embellish it. We hear so many people that have these amazing stories of being a drug addict or alcoholic, but we don't all have those stories. Our story is personal. Don't think that you have to be like John Wayne fighting in the Wild West and then you came and found Jesus. We also remember that it's God who turns a person's heart. 
It's our job just to share our faith and plant the seeds. And as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, some plant, some water, but it's God who makes the seed grow. He said, I planted the seeds in your heart and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. Another very important thing is that we have to pray before every witnessing encounter. Prayer is very important. And before you begin to share your faith, pray about it. Pray and ask God to help you speak the words. Pray that the Holy Spirit gives you the words to speak and pray that the listener's ears will be open to what you have to say about the gospel. We can also pray that God places someone in our life that needs him and that he will lead that person to share the gospel with. Billy Graham once said, prayer is crucial in evangelism. No matter how logical our arguments or how fervent our appeals, our words will accomplish nothing unless God's spirit prepares the way. So never ever underestimate the power of prayer. We should also always be encouraged. Isaiah 41.10 says, and I love this, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. We live in a day and age of rapidly shifting morals. And it seems that our faith is being attacked. And even some people are saying that it's a dangerous faith. And although we're going to have opposition to us sharing our faith, it's going to be inevitable. But the fact is, God is all-powerful. And in this passage of Isaiah, and this is what we see throughout the whole Old Testament and the New Testament, is that he promises to strengthen us. He promises to be with us, and he promises to help us. God is with us, and he will always be with us. So this means that the same God who made all of creation is with us. He is our God, and we don't have to be afraid when we're sharing our faith with others. I'm going to end with uh, uh, four, four points that I got from Sharing Your Faith 101. And it says, to share the gospel, you can follow these four steps. Number one, we can tell them about God's plan of peace and life. God loves you and wants you to experience the peace and life that he offers. We all know John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He has a plan for you and I. Number two, we share our problem. And that problem is separation from God. Because being at peace with God is not automatic. By nature, we're all separated from him. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God is holy, but we're human. And we don't always measure up to his perfect standard. And so we're sinful. We have a sin problem. 
Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. But thankfully, you can talk about God's remedy, which is the cross. God's love bridges the gap of separation between you and him. When Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave, he paid the penalty for your sins. In 1 Peter 2.24 it says, He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Amen. Amen. And then fourthly, our response to receive Christ. You cross the bridge into God's family when you accept Christ's free gift of salvation. The Bible says in John 1.12, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So I ask you, as we go out, will you share the gospel? Will you share your faith with others? I want to encourage you to pray about and think about who God has put in your life, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your community, in your schools, in your church. Somebody that you know that does not know the love of Christ. Somebody that you can be bold in sharing the gospel with them this week. Lord God, I just thank you for, for your wonderful word, Lord God. And I just thank you so much for letting us come here together and just to read your word and study your word, Lord. And I just pray right now, Lord, that each and every one of us throughout this week, the rest of this week and the weekend, I just pray that you'll just continue to make us bold light bearers for you, Lord that we can continue to share our faith with others and that you'll take any fear that we may have of sharing our faith with others. And I just pray right now, Lord God, that if there's anybody in our lives right now that we would like to talk to about this, just pray that you'll give us those words. And I pray right now, Lord God, that we just continue to invite people that we know that don't know you to church. Father's Day, Lord God, I just pray that we'll just, just have so many people in here, Lord God, hearing your word, Lord. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight and come and get together around the altar with me this evening? Evangelism is not difficult. It's not a plan. It's not a program. It's not even necessarily taking step one, step two, step three, like Keith's wonderful steps at the end tonight. It's just simply loving people. If you love God and you love people and you'll do what Keith said, you'll pray. You'll pray God to give you the opportunity. When Saturday, I was trying to cut our front yard. I was trying to cut our whole yard. And Saturday, three people, when they saw me out in the front yard, they came and I'd have to shut off the lawnmower, talk with them, pray with them, hug and cry with people in my front yard. Now I can tell you that didn't happen 20 years ago. But 
loving people and praying with people. So when I came inside, Becky, who's in a ministry meeting tonight here at the church with a group of leaders, she says, what took you so long? I said, God had another agenda. So I had to cut the backyard last night. But I'm telling you this, if you'll just love people, they need the love of God. They need your love, but they'll never know the love of God without our love. So Jesus, right now, we just gather around this altar. We thank you for Keith's challenge to us tonight to love lost people. We thank you, Lord, for Keith's challenge to us tonight to love you. For if we love you, we'll obey you. But we thank you also for that encouragement he gave us tonight. Lord, we don't have to be experts. We just have to love you and love people. You could take a Moses, you could take a Peter, you could take me. And Lord, you can use us for your glory and for your honor. So I ask you this week, would you lay some souls, lay some people upon our heart that we'll just start talking to you about them and that we'll be those billboards. <laughs> we'll be those billboards and God will, people will be saying, I love Thomas, Sharon, Marks, not I hate them. I love Barbara Beat. I love Dennis and Debbie Winters. I love Andrea Rister. Lord, because they are sharing the love of Jesus Christ. And I'll be sure to thank you for all that I'm going to hear from those who've heard this message tonight of how you're reaching lost people through them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. Good night. Amen. Give Keith a hand.